and welcome to Hope for the Family, a podcast from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas, and known by many as Maggie's. In this series, recovered family members share how they've been able to find peace and freedom as the loved ones of alcoholics and addicts through interviews and sharing their stories. For more information about our family support group, including weekly meetings, please visit magdalenhouse.org forward slash family. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Stephanie Crawford, and I am the host of this podcast, Hope for the Family. Hope for the Family is one of the series that we alternate each month between studying the steps and big book workshop um, is one of my favorite series that I have done and that I get to do. And I love hearing from the family members perspective. And so today we have a special guest in the sense that her daughter has done an episode with us already of Recovered. And her name is um, Lizzie B. And I believe the title of her episode is A Long Period of Reconstruction Ahead. And so I will put the link to that episode in the show notes in case you guys want to listen after you get done listening to this one. And I just want to ask that if any time you feel inspired or like this message would help somebody, please share it with a friend, upload it to your Instagram stories, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us on Spotify, do all of all of those things actually do help get this message out to the person who needs to hear it. Um, So that would be greatly appreciated. So this guest that we have today is the mother of Lizzie, and her name is Stephanie, just like mine. Uh, So I'm going to let Stephanie give the background of her story and what kind of got her in this situation to be able to be here and talk with us today, and we'll just kind of go from there. Okay. Um, Well, thanks for having me Mm -hmm. so much. So, okay, well, I'll say Lizzie, she was... She was always a challenging child, even from when she was born. She always had a mind of her own, and that was a great thing. And the pediatrician said, don't worry. These are the people that uh, become something someday, but, like and, you know, that. they're going to wear you out in the process. And so I, <laughs> um, uh, so she is, you know, something now and uh, always has been. And so, um, but I'd say um, in high school, you know, it... <laughs> it's that's the thing it's not always a a exact moment you know you're suspicious or you wonder or you're not sure or you think something's happened and then they convince you that no no you're wrong that Mm. that, that's not uh what's happening and so you hope that that's true and and over time um it just kind of keeps happening and happening until you realize oh you know there is a there is a, a thing so she graduated from high school early um, because she just was tired of the small town that we lived in at the time and wanted to to get out and be out on her own and so she did that and I think that was really when it turned the corner because then there was no supervision Mm. and um, and it just escalated from there Mm. so you said that you know they tell you that there's nothing wrong and you hope that you're you're wrong Mm -hmm. tell me about that because that almost sounds like gaslighting (laughs) because I've some I'm gonna say that because like sometimes I'm like with my own daughter who's 13 I'll be like no but like you 
no, you've lied to me, right? But then it's like I feel confused because... So did you have those times where you were certain that like she was getting into trouble and then like she convinced you that she wasn't and that left you feeling confused or Right, right. Or 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 the information that I had was incorrect. Like somebody said, Hey, just you know, I heard that she was at this party and whatever or I heard that she was in town and with some other kids and they were whatever and they looked like they were, you know, doing things that they shouldn't. So when I would ask her about those it was what no i wasn't and those people and they da 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 and we you know that's that's not true mm-hmm. so it would it would be stuff like that and you know as a parent you really don't want it to be true so mm-hmm. no i totally feel that because that's how i feel with my daughter when she lies to me <laughs> <laughs> like i just want to believe that like she wouldn't do these things or she wouldn't lie to me cuz you know, I'm her right. mom. And, right. And so, like, did you believe her? Well, I mean, I did just because sometimes I didn't have a choice. I, I, I didn't have hard evidence myself. And, um, and perhaps that person was wrong or maybe she was at that party, but that doesn't mean that she was doing something she shouldn't. So uh, without strong evidence you know it's hard to um accuse someone or or even feel justified in punishing someone if you really are not 100 percent sure and you know she was she was good at at convincing me yeah did you feel like like that mother's intuition that something was off well yes except you know teenage girls can be moody and they can be angry and they um you know they they can have a lot of emotions and that doesn't mean that they are using anything or drinking so Mm -hmm. uh it can be confusing to figure out really is there a real problem here or is it just normal teenage stuff it definitely i can imagine i was actually the woman that i interviewed before you she got sober at 22 she's young young girl and um and she would she even had the same battle herself like is this normal partying teenage stuff or am i an alcoholic right. like i like i don't know you know and so i guess when did you start to recognize that okay this isn't normal teenage stuff well you know i'm not sure that i did um i knew that she was angry i knew that she got angry at me some of this was just some of it was just her personality had been her personality her whole life stubborn strong-willed um things like that and and i have a strong personality too so sometimes it was clashes and i would think well we're both much alike so um i i will say it was really after she got out of school and was um living out on her own and when i would see her i would notice hmm you look your eyes look glassy and she'd seem you know and then another day she might be real agitated and and twitchy and then you know and so I would see her and every time I'd see her it'd be like mm, I what you know or one time she seemed real what real kind of tired or whatever and she was like well I hadn't been sleeping good lately and so but when I started seeing the glassy eyes and things you know I, I was like I, but she wasn't living with me so I had limited exposure to her um I I had my suspicions and I felt they were right but 
you know, she was grown and out of my house. Mm-hmm. So what, how do you deal with having a child that you suspect something is going on with, but they are grown and they are out of your house? I'm sure that that worry is not easy. What did you, what did you do to be able to get through that yourself? Well, I did. You're right. I worried. I worried a lot. Um, I talked about it a lot to um, my close friends, and I prayed, and I did just really, I kept trying to figure out where I was going to find the answer because I really didn't, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't make her do anything. Even when she was in high school, I'd, I had taken her um, to a counselor, and she, when she you know, get out of the counseling session, she'd just be angry and say, well, she's trying to tell me what to do and she doesn't understand and she doesn't know. And she, you know, and, and so I had, I was really at a, at a loss. So there wasn't a whole lot that I could do, but for myself, I talked, I talked to friends about it and, you know, we, I think we all know about Al-Anon, but we don't, or not know about, we've heard of it. And, um, but I don't, think we all realize that that that's more than just for uh, family members of alcoholics mm-hmm. yeah and that they can also I guess be a good resource and support group for you because so. mm-hmm. you ended up finding your own kind of support group in church correct right well and so I did go to celebrate recovery recovery for a little bit um you know but most I'd say everybody there was there for their own um own issues and and but they were able to give me some guidance I'll say to the uh, guy I started dating during that time he and, and we're umpteen years later you know we're still together but he um he was had been a drug addict and big drinker and stuff back in his teen years and all the way I think until he was 30 and um so he was he was able to enlighten me on some things some mm-hmm. things that might happen that I wasn't um savvy enough to mm. recognize for what they were he was like mm, something's not right there's a reason she's doing that you know and I was like no I don't, I don't think so he was like no that, mm. so um he part of it is later you know I thought you know God brought us together because he knew that I was gonna but- need that he was a great sounding board for me, but also he understood and he was there for me. And he even said, I, th- I thought God might have brought us together because um, I needed to be there for Lizzie. And he said, later I realized I needed to be there for you. So, oh, that's so beautiful. Do you think you were naive? Absolutely. Yeah. I, that was not my background. That was nobody in my family had, you know, had had a, um, an addiction of any kind. I didn't, I was in the band and the flag corps and on the debate team. And, you know, that was, you know, I love it. I, I, that was not anywhere on my radar. Um, so you never so, grew up around it or anything? No, no. And I, and I, I would run from it. And so um, I, I was very naive. That's why I think I didn't recognize some, some of the stuff that was going on. But, and like I said, too, and, you know, and, fairness um I even if I did have my suspicions I I really didn't know what to do yeah yeah because I mean what can you do it's you want your child to do you know the thing that you believe is right for them and I know for my own daughter I'm like learn from my mistakes like don't repeat the same mistakes that I make and and we're actually going through 
something she you know um she's going through her own stuff you know and how you said something that intrigued me so I'm assuming it might intrigue other listeners is you said that Lizzie was was angry Mm -hmm. how did you cope with that as a mother as best I could as I said she and I have very similar personalities and so you know there would probably have been clashes even if she was not um using and so um i just i did the best that i could i tried to stay calm um and i tried to parent her i tried to make steer her towards friends that i thought would be um, a good influence on her um i you know we went to church she had friends there so i did all the things kind of textbook that i thought should be done I don't know that how much they helped but right yeah so how did you okay I'm, I, I joked that I was not going to win mother of the year <laughs> I, I just say that <laughs> well I'm also asking this for myself how do how were you able to stay calm through all of it well and and, and I wasn't always calm okay I wasn't always calm um so it you know it could get a little fiery at at our house and some things happened and um uh it was it wasn't always pleasant you know we and uh she has a younger sister um it's my youngest daughter who's nine years younger and so I had to keep that in mind Mm -hmm. as well was what what was she seeing so um when she graduated from high school a year early and was wanting to move out I I really was not that upset yeah because i joked that if she graduates from high school and both of us are still alive and neither of us have gone to jail it's gonna be a miracle and i said thank goodness she graduated a year early because i wasn't sure we were gonna make it really (laughs) in a terrible see no not 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 another year not at all i think it's it's good to be honest you know because even with my own recovery program and the tools that I have, like I still fall short as a mother to a teenage girl all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'll come in and be certain that my daughter is the only daughter that behaves this way, you know, and I have to be like reassured that one, she's not. (laughs) And, um, you know, that I actually am doing the best that I can and it doesn't mean that it's gonna be perfect. Thank God, because mm-hmm. I know that I fall short. So, mm-hmm. what? And see, and Lizzie, Lizzie's an amazing person. Now. Mm-hmm. So she got where she was headed. She just took a little bit of a detour. Yes. Now, something that I do remember from Lizzie's story um, that I think is going to be super important to talk about is you ended up getting custody of her son. Isn't that correct? Um, no, we got grandparents grandparent rights uh, rights yes okay um, so her son was living he was in kindergarten at the time and he went to live she and her she and and the her son's father had um shared custody a week on a week off and mm-hmm. so she probably said what had happened was she just didn't go pick him back up one mm-hmm. time so um and then we had a good relationship with the, with him anyway but um so during some parts of that uh, some other court things that were going on, they gave us, we asked for grandparents' rights because he was he was great about letting us um, have him, but we just thought, you know, it'd be nice to have something 
in writing. And so um, what we got grandparents the grand- rights because, um, you know, parents have rights to their kids, but grandparents don't have rights to the kids. So just basically we had him the I can't remember. I think it was the second weekend of every month. Mm. And of course, and, and his, you know, his dad was great. He would let us or let me, you know, and James too go get him any time um, that we wanted to. But that weekend was designated as our weekend. So it was a court order that, you know, he had to sign that and everything agreeing to it. But he, he was happy that we wanted to, you know, still be involved. So, And I'm sure that was hard because you're the grandparents of the mom who's not around. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how was that? That was rough. I, I tell her, I go, it was like just being stabbed in the heart um, because she she did take off, um, just didn't come back to pick him up. And it was, he, he where's my mom? And he was, in, like I said, he was in kindergarten. Um, so he was five and he, he calls me Fifi and he would be like, Fifi, do you know where my mama is? And I'd be like, no, baby, I don't. Because, you know, and as a parent, I was worried sick because I didn't know where she was either. And I thought, and, and months went by where we didn't know where she was. And in fact, I think that was October, September, October. I think it was October. And um, she really didn't resurface fully until May. So it was a long time and especially when you don't know when it's going to be and I thought my next phone call is going to be the police saying hey we found her dead for a week and you know sorry sound bad down her but anyway yeah. um, it's but the, it's it's the truth, truth. That's, it's I'm the thinking truth. that's what that's going to be next phone calls please say yeah and she's been there for a week but nobody called because they didn't want to get themselves in trouble so it was um it was rough so but he you know he was like Fifi do you know where my mama is and I was like no baby and then there'd be other times like we it was Mother's Day and I had taken him to see with me to see my mom and on the way back he was talking about her again and he was of course in his car seat in the back seat and he was like Fifi why are you crying are you crying and I'm like no no I'm not crying and um and then he even we you know a five-year-old can only understand so much and so we just said we, we're not sure where she is. And he was like, okay, so is she missing? We're like, well, yeah, we, we just don't know where she is. And so it was confusing, but it, part of it was just because we didn't, what can you tell him? I mean, mm-hmm. that he could really understand. And, um, he, you know, he couldn't fully understand um, addiction or anything like that or what would make a person do that. So, um, and in fact, one time he dreamed that she was, there at my house he was sleeping on the couch and I came walking through the next morning and he popped up and he had this big smile on his face and it was not too long after that she had gone missing and he said um and he's got this big smile and he said where's my mom and I said what and he said my mom she's here I saw her where is she and I said no baby she's not here and he said no no I saw her she's here I saw her last night or something like that and he had me convinced I'm kind of like looking around over my shoulder like is she here and then I said baby no that's a dream and then of course he just you know fell but um so it was it was things like that that kept happening and another time he was like baby can we take get my mom's picture and put it on a piece of paper and put them on telephone poles like they do when people are missing and I'm like well maybe I you know I just sometimes I just didn't know what to say but you know I he he missed her so much and he thought about her obviously all the time 
And yeah. so it was a, it was hard. That's why I said, man, talk about it. stab me in the heart and just twist the knife because he was, um, he was hurting and, and he was, there was so little we could tell him because there was so little we knew, but also um, so little he could understand at the time. Hmm. So he's 11 now. So hmm. he, you know, he knows more about what really took place. But yeah. at the time it was a, it was tough. It was tough. That breaks my heart having to hear that you know because and did you know amazon does not have a book that says you know my mommy is my mommy is missing (laughs) what should i do and and somebody told me one time they should you know maybe you should write that that's what i was gonna say maybe you should write the book maybe i maybe i should how to talk to children whose but parents are yeah because you know there's books for to help children understand kind of you know adult level things that are going on you know maybe health problems or things like that but as far as I know there's not one that's you know help my mommy's an addict but maybe I, maybe I do need to write we have something that. on the website which I haven't watched but it's a Sesame Street thing mm. and um, one of the characters talks about having a parent who's an addict or an okay. alcoholic or something okay. Good to know. I haven't watched it. Right. But it is on our website. Right. Okay. Good if no, anybody good to, wants good to see it, that it's there. It's good to know, too. Yeah. And, and part of the thing was, you know, he was little, and so we hated to say, hey, your mom's an addict. So um, we that was something else that I thought I'm not even sure he'll understand. But, yeah, maybe I need to watch that and, and see if it's something because I, I had no idea what to say yeah, to him. Yeah, it might be something that could be useful to somebody else. And because I would also think, too, like, as a mom, you think that you did something to cause it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yep. tell me it about was, that. Uh, it's all my fault, and um, and, and it's interesting because I follow some um, people in recovery and, and sober people, you know, who um, they're more, I guess, famous, and um, and I I see where people put, yeah, my mom thinks it's her fault or she blamed herself or whatever, and I thought, oh my God, it's not just me because really it wasn't until I started seeing some of those things that I started realizing. Maybe it wasn't my fault. No, I mean, it sounds like you did everything right. <laughs> but, well, you know, that's the thing. And, and I say, too, you know, I always th- thought that addicts came from bad families. Mm. And then I had a, an addict for a daughter and went, oh, wait, uh, hmm, I guess I was wrong about that. And, and it was very humbling because I realized, oh, um, it's real easy to be judgy of others and I think gonna... it's never going to happen to you mm-hmm. because you're a good family and then and then it's it is you because it doesn't discriminate mm-hmm. and um uh so yeah so then once i figured that out i went oh so do you think that you did have some judgments against addicts and alcoholics before well i'm sure that i i, I, I yes i'll say yes um because due to lack of understanding Mm -hmm. and i realize now um people some people think you know oh well it's their own fault or they just need to stop or it's you know they just they blame them um for it and they don't really realize that it's a disease and that it's not just i just can stop and um uh, so it was due to my own ignorance Mm -hmm. i think most of the time 
It is due to lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you come to understand that it was a disease and that it actually was not your fault and you couldn't have done anything to prevent it? Right. Um, Well, so I'm, it was one of the best weekends of my life, which was when Lizzie finally went to treatment and um, uh, she, it was a family weekend a week at the the weekend before she was getting out and we were at her treatment center and uh there was so much education because so many things i didn't know all these things about addiction and it, it was just very educational and that's when i figured it out and i thought oh and of course i heard other people's stories there because you know there's other people and their family members i thought that addiction was a problem of people between ages 15 and 25 and after 25 you've usually outgrown it oh i think that's another misunderstanding too so yes. so we were talking about you know once in a while i'll have um, the opportunity to speak to organizations or just with people about it and i'll tell them i said you know what the average age of overdose is 44 years old and i think it might be 46 now or, or vice versa but and they're like, what? And wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so because we tend to think of it as a young person's thing and that, you know, they'll just grow out of it. And, you know, it's an immaturity or partying thing or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and yeah, I, it was so with Lizzie and I learned so much at that family weekend as she was getting out of treatment. And I realized, oh, wow, this is nothing like I thought it would be. So that's really when it when it changed mm. it was like I said I was no longer ignorant about what it really is so did you have some anger towards Lizzie when she went into treatment um no I was so you made me cry I was so happy that we knew where she was um because she I think she said how she you know detoxed on the concrete floor of her jail cell in Dallas County if not edit that out but I think she I think she mentioned that but um so I was just happy to know where she was that she was finally going to treatment and to get help and um and I hadn't seen her since she had taken off in October this was July so as a (laughs) anyway as a mom um you, you know you're just so happy to see your child again and she'd been there for 30 days and so, um, I, and I take that back. I'm trying to think, had I, I don't think I saw her during that time. I know I saw her at one point when she was using and she was so skinny. She's skinny anyway. But when she was arrested, just so you know, she was 5'10 and 102 pounds. And so um, that tells you what she looked like. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, 30 days later, though, I see her and I'm she looked like a normal person again and I said oh my gosh and but also she um she called me uh oh you know when she was in treatment after she got one of her um I guess her privileges or however they say that um that she was able to call me and I'll tell you it was it was like talking to somebody from the grave because it was somebody that you thought was gone forever and they were back. You thought there was somebody that was dead and gone and were never going to come back. And they were back. So um, so I wasn't, by the time we got to treatment, I was no longer mad at her. I was happy. Um, I, I call it, I was waiting to exhale. 
because even after you know especially after she got out i thought well she's gonna just go right back to doing what she used to do and she credited sober living with with making that uh, difference on her um, being able to stay clean and sober and so uh, what was your question Um, my uh, my first question was if you had um, anger, but now oh, you, now I yeah. have um, another question. Okay, so no, I wasn't angry. I was during the times that she was using, but it was an anger mixed with sadness and frustration and fear. hopelessness yeah. and fear and um and, and yeah, and it was just so so yeah. So no, by that point in time, I was happy to see her, happy to see the old Lizzie back because. Um, it was a, a miracle, really, what happened in just that 30 days. And 30 days is really not very long. Mm-mm. But um, she sounded like her old self. She was. She talked about normal things. She looked normal. She. It was like, oh, my God, my daughter is back. Wow. So, yeah. Are you a loved one of an alcoholic? Our family support group serves as a community for friends, loved ones, and family members of alcoholics to learn about alcoholism, understand how to help an alcoholic, and experience an improved quality of life regardless of the alcoholic's recovery. We have weekly support meetings that meet virtually and in person, as well as a monthly speaker meeting. To find out more about our family support group, visit magdalenhouse.org family. I wanted to ask you a question because you said that, well, I actually want to ask you another question too, but you said that you were just thinking as soon as she got out that she was going to go back to what she used to do, which sometimes that is what happens, Mm -hmm. um, but it's not what happened with Lizzie. When did that, so if you're listening, it does not have to be everybody's story to relapse after you get out of treatment, but when did that start to go away when did you realize wow whoa like this actually might stick that is a great question and i i'm not sure if i I sometimes say i'm not sure that as the mother of a person recovery that you ever fully exhale um but i'll say it, it it's just been the last few years she's five you know she hit her five year mark back in may and um so I'll say it's been in the last couple of years. It took a while. You know, I had 10 years or eight years or however, I don't know exactly when it was that she started using of her being an, you know, an addict. So um, I'm six months, a year, you know, two years even, you know, it's starting to wear off, but you're still, you know, you're still kind of going, mm. So, um, it, you, you know, it was way too many years of the other. So it took a while for it to really sink in. And um, part of it was the one that really started to believe it was when she talked about sponsoring other people. Mm-hmm. I said, because oh, when you're now, you know, holding other people accountable, now you know, you boy, you better be serious about it yourself. And so I, th- I really think that was kind of a marker was when she mentioned that she was sponsoring people because... Um, I thought, oh, this means that, you know, she's serious about this. So, wow, how cool! And I can just tell that you're just so proud of her. I am. You know, that's so so amazing. One of the things that Lizzie did talk about um, was that her dad was her enabler. How were you able 
to, because I know like when I'm thinking of family support groups that I've sat in on just like from, so I can speak from the alcoholics perspective, there's a lot of things of like, well, we can't just, you know, not let her come home. Where is she going to go? Like we can't just leave her out. And some, you know, my mom was never one to bail me out of jail, um, which now I, I believe is a, <laughs> is probably a good thing. But at the time I was very angry, um, you know, but how were you able to not be the enabler? Well, I'll be honest and say part of it is it's easy to not be the enabler when there's a bigger enabler ah. ahead of you. <laughs> so had he not been in the picture, maybe maybe I would have been. Mm-hmm. But I, he and I have very different personalities, and um, uh, he's very... Um, kind of path of least resistance and passive and, and a great person. Um, but he, it, you know, sometimes it's just easier to give in to keep the peace than it is to dig your heels in about mm-hmm. stuff. And so that's just, just his personality. He's He doesn't want to take you on. And mm-hmm. I don't want to take you on either, but I will. And um, uh, so, so, but yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I, I might have been had he not been lying ahead of me and doing it in a much grander scale because it, it's hard to it's hard to stand firm and again when we are not a hundred percent sure that we're doing it like we should be doing it we we second guess ourselves. Well, I know that like it sounds like you kind of have always had a relationship with God. Is that correct? Yes. So I imagine that there was a lot of prayer that might have happened. Mm-hmm. And so did that help with your decision-making? Probably not. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, I prayed a lot, but I, I, didn't, I didn't really feel like I was getting a lot of guidance. Mm. And, you know, so maybe that was a big fail on my part. But I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Really? Yeah. Seems like you were able to just handle the situation, um, which I know was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. But it just sounds, I mean, it sounds like you were able to do it with grace. Um, now, did you know, like, were you able to point out that the dad was the enabler? Did you know that? Once I learned what an enabler was. That was going to be my next question. Um, I said, oh. I, so um, I I didn't didn't use that word for a while because I didn't really know it or understand. Do you want to talk about what it means for our listeners who may not know what it means? Well, it's just the person who enables that person to be like they are. So I so. get well. I think there's this common misconception between what is enabling and what is helping because oftentimes we think we're helping, but we're actually enabling. Mm-hmm. So how did you know the difference between the two? Well, so because it was evident what he was doing was not helping. <laughs> um, like, you know, get her out of jail and take her home and give her 100 bucks. Or get her out of jail as soon as the judge would let you out, take you home to your apartment, give you 100 bucks, and say, don't do it again. Okay, well, hmm. and then again do the same thing and then over time I was like hey you need to stop doing that 
because do you notice that things are escalating? And he, oh, well, you know. so uh, he, he, he's a great person. And I, and he honestly thought he was helping and he, he, he loves her so much and was really just, you know, wanting to do the right thing. And he was kind of like me and that he didn't really know the right thing. And it was just really probably more of a personality difference because I was a person who's going to push back and he's not. And mm-hmm. so, um, and, and Lizzie it, probably knew that too. That's what I was going to say. And Lizzie mm-hmm. probably knew, okay, well, let's see, I, I have to fight that fight pretty hard and to get what I want. And this fight's a lot easier. So, um, when did your relationship with her start to rebuild? Because I know that you guys have a great relationship today. Right, right. And uh, so, and I was going to say too, back when we were talking about people to talk to, I, I have a best friend and, and Gomer um, was in the, he or he entered the picture during that time. And then, um, and my mom, who she moved to heaven in 2018, but um, she was around and she loved Lizzie and um a lot and so I know so we had a lot of people praying for her and um but my mom was a great sounding board and loved Lizzie ever much just as much as as I did and and still do so I was so happy to see her when she got out of treatment that it was then and so she went to sober living in austin and um, i was a little worried about that i went to ut i know that town (laughs) and um i thought but i think it was good because she didn't need to come back to the the dfw areas so i went drove down there and saw her a few times and she'd you know come up some and and it started then but it you know it was a little strange just because it hadn't we hadn't she hadn't been in our life for so long and when she had been she really was not herself and so um so I'll say it was as soon as she got out of treatment and then I think it was about a year before she moved back up to the Dallas area uh, may even been a little longer than that I, I should remember better but um uh and so she moved back up to the area so then I was able to see her more and um uh, and so that was, but I'll say, man, it was when I laid eyes on her at treatment and I thought, and, and I'll say too, so one of the things with when she called me that time, and it, even when she got out of treatment, a lot of people trying to, you know, help because they knew just, oh my God, because they knew what the story was. They'd been hearing me, you know, cry about it for years and they were all like, well, you know, now treatment doesn't always stick the first time. So, you know, I know you're really excited, but just so you know, and I, I finally I was like, could you just let me have this? Just let me be happy for at least a little while. Okay. Okay. Thanks for telling me that because I didn't really know that, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, you're bringing me down. Let me just at least have a month of, you know, glowing and, and that my daughter is back. But part of that was I realized then that even if she did relapse, we got her back once we can get her back again because who she was and how she was before that first time she went to treatment, I thought, she, like I said, it was, when I talked to her, it was a voice from the grave because I thought she was gone. She was lost forever. And so I said, hey, we got her back once. We can get her back again. So I, even if she had relapsed, I, I had hope again that, that I could, we could get her back. So mm-hmm. that she wasn't gone forever after all. Mm-hmm. And um, now you both are really out loud with 
um, your stories and Mm -hmm. you both help people on um, a much grander scale. And one of the things that you do is you talk to people, right, Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. your story from the family members. And you said that you go to places to talk, right? Um, I I have. Mm -hmm. And what is it that you talk to them about? Like, what do you, whenever you go there, like, what is it that you have a goal in mind that you want them right. to know. Well, if it's a, if it's um, like I, I mentioned, I, I spoke at McKinney um, not too long ago. And so um, I, I educated them on, because that was what I was missing. And I say, hey, I thought the addicts only came from bad families. And then I had one and we weren't a bad family. And so I realized how very wrong I was. And so then I start, so I share that with them because I have a feeling a lot of people think like that. Or they For think, sure. well, it's not going to happen to me. And then it, you know, it, it does. And so, and then I start giving them statistics on like what the average age of overdose is, what the number one killer is, um, with alcohol. What is, um, what, can you share some of the statistics? <laughs> I should have looked these back up because oh. um, they're on my PowerPoint, but I want to, I can't remember. It's like, um, so death, alcohol related death is the number one. And it's like number one by far. And, um, like liver disease and things like that it's not drunk driving and it's not you know it's it those are much further down on the list because if you said hey what's the number one call you know alcohol related death um you know people probably think say you know car drunk driving and and it's not it's it's the havoc that it wreaks on your body Mm -hmm. so uh over time so Mm -hmm. that was anyway so I, i give them those statistics and try to educate them because I found it fascinating as I started digging into this to do my presentation I went wow really and wow this many people a day die of an overdose and it was it was just statistics that you can't argue with Mm -hmm. and um uh, so I just I I try and just find that common ground which I feel like a lot of people were like me with you know and then I give them the statistics and uh and then I tell them my story which you know is is Lizzie's story too and um so that's what I do but now I also talk just talk to people um, that I meet informally um I will share about Lizzie sometimes I may even just work it into a conversation and a lot of times people will respond to me or they reach out to me on Facebook or and these are people that maybe I haven't seen in 20 years but they you can tell they're just so happy to find somebody they can talk to who understands and is not going to mm-hmm. is not going to judge them. Or I'll have somebody. Maybe I tell it at a at a luncheon, sitting at a table with eight or ten other women, and then later, one of them kind of pulls me aside, or maybe we're the only two at the table later, and they share that they're in recovery. They didn't say that at the table in front of everybody else, but they tell me privately. And so it's been really, it's been really great um, uh, to be out there and to, to remove some stigma and get people talking about it. And that way when people do, you know, they feel more free to, mm-hmm. to share their story. You know, yeah. if we're all hiding and nobody's talking about it, we think we're the only one and we're not. And shame grows in the dark, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so you have something coming up on August 31st. Tell us what that is. August 31st is yes. a night of hope. It's being held in McKinney, and um, we're going to have a panel of speakers. We've got a really neat lady who is the MC, Shannon, and uh, and so Lizzie is speaking on recovery 
community. I'm speaking on family recovery. Um, another lady actually um, lost a son, and uh, she's speaking on her story of loss. And then we have um, the lady who is the principal for Serenity High in McKinney. And uh, do you know what that is? No. Serenity High is in McKinney. And I think, though, they pull from a lot of other school districts. Um, it is a high school for um, students in recovery. Wow. Yeah. And that's good to know about. I know. Yeah. And I, I didn't know about it for years. And then um, I heard about it. And so, yeah, it's for students who are, who are in high school or are working on their high school uh, diploma and it's uh, housed within one of McKinney's high schools but it's separate and so um, the lady who's the I don't know she's considered the principal or the dean or what but anyway so she's a really neat lady too but we just part of it is and then um, oh and then Richard from um, another from a treatment center who's going to be um, talking about um, Narcan because I've found so many people don't know about Narcan and I say that's okay because until about a year ago I didn't know what Narcan was either and shame on me except that you you don't know what you don't know so I think they're going to be just having Narcan there for everybody to take do you want to say what Narcan is so for people who don't know okay so Narcan and feel free to (laughs) to say it better if I didn't say it right but Narcan is um, a nose spray that anyone can administer and it stops an opioid overdose immediately they like or almost immediately come out of it and it is one of the things I worried about was well okay what if I'm wrong and they're not overdosing now what I've done have I done by giving them the Narcan and actually it, it doesn't do anything um, but it intercepts the, uh, the the receptors in the brain the signal receptors in the brain and it stops it in its tracks and uh, so I have it in my car I have it on my desk at work and I have it at home um so because i want to be prepared and i know some uh, police departments carry it in their squad cars there was a city in dfw that was um, used it on somebody and um, it saved their life and uh so it's it can save a life yeah yeah so well, anyway so that beautifully thank you thank yes you. much um, better than i could have <laughs> and uh uh so because 90 percent of the people i talk to you know which most of them you know are not uh, real recovery savvy they 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 don't know what narcan is not going on either until about a year ago so um uh but i believe so strongly in it that we should all have it mm-hmm. and it's so easy to administer but he's going to train people and then they're going to give it out but part of it is is just to give people resources because they don't know where to they don't know who to go to for help they don't know who to ask they don't know um what treatment options there are or does insurance cover it or where should I send them or what's important to look for and we're just trying to get our names out there to share our story but also um, and to inspire and encourage but also to be a resource for people yeah awesome well um, another cool thing about this mother-daughter power pair is that you all have your own 501c3 silver linings okay um so tell us how did this happen how what was the magic that started this whole thing with you guys well thank you for asking about that um so well lizzie 
when she was getting out of treatment, like I said, she she was you know on both meth and heroin, and I joked that you know she was an overachiever because why do just meth when you can do meth and heroin and be really you know, and um so and that was part of the thing too. I was like really thirty days, and she's already just back out on her own. Oh my gosh, just how's this going to work? And so her dad said, well, she's going to sober living. That's what they recommend. And I was like, what is sober? What what is that? And that's what I tell people too when they say I don't know what sober living is. I go, it's okay because I didn't either until my daughter was going to one. So um. But, uh, so she lived at one for a while and then she ended up house managing one for a year. And, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, house managing a sober living. I said, I remember the dorm in college, the little wing down there. And we were all, you know, same age, similar backgrounds, similar intellect. We fought all the time. I thought, oh my gosh, how do, how do they all get along? Anyway, but she she manages that she managed the house for a year, and it was shortly after she finished um, her one year commitment that she moved back up to the DFW area because by that point in time she was um, getting you know through the process of um, getting access to her son again because she had lost that when she was had uh, taken off and gone missing for all that time. Um, so Lizzie kept saying, "I just think we need some." more good sober living houses highly structured and that's lizzie you know she believes in that highly structured sober living um program and uh so she kept saying i really think we need this i really think we need to do this and finally i said you know let's just do it and so we did and we opened it um a year ago july so july of 2021 and um uh and so she's our executive director and uh you know and that's a big undertaking for just two individuals to completely furnish a house and and but thank goodness we had some really great people helping us finding things for us people were very generous with donating things to us to get the house set up and i mean and we still have some great people that are send us my a dear friend um sends laundry detergent every month to wow. us uh, through amazon she just has it set up for a recurring thing and so um, so yeah we've been so lucky the day we moved in uh, i had my friends who were coming to um, unpack, and then Lizzie said, "Yeah, and I got a bunch of guys that I know from recovery. They're gonna come help unload the truck." And I said, mm-hmm. "Because I just know how people are." And I thought, "Yeah, they're gonna show up." Okay, well, all right. I hope one or two do. And I'm telling you, those guys showed up, and they showed up, and they kept showing up. And then some might leave, and here'd come some more. And I'd say, "Do you know Lizzie?" And they'd be like, "No, but such and such does." And he told us you know, about this. And so we've come to help. And I, I probably stood there with my jaw dropped half the time because I was just amazed at the people who came out to help. And of course, I've learned since then how important service is in the recovery community. But to me, it was just astounding. And uh, Gomer said, oh, you know, I knew all your old lady friends would show up, you know, but I didn't know, uh, you know, about Lizzie's people showing up. And I'm telling you, we, we had so much help that day. And it was just a beautiful thing. Our, heart was, our hearts were full. Uh, so how is it being in business with your daughter now? Well, it's it's been great. You know, I really let her take the lead because this is her thing. I try to offer support and guidance. And obviously I'm heavily involved, but, you know, she knows so much more about this um, than I do. And I understand the business side. I've been on boards for several organizations. And so I have that board, I'm on the board and I have um, uh, board experience. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really kind of what my 
role is 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 on the board and then being an advocate and out there spreading the word but um, it's been really great because that's just it just brought us closer together Mm -hmm. and you also get to talk to parents as well right right so yeah lizzie offers that you know if there's a mom you know who's who's expressed an interest in or or she, she feels like is needing you know just someone to talk to um because like we said, you know, you can't talk to just anybody about one, you know, you may be embarrassed about it, but two, they've not been there. And so, um, so I've uh, visited with a few on the phone, some of them I text with, one I had lunch with. Um, It's been really, it's been really great. And so I'm out here and available and I'd I'd love to hear from anybody, really. Um, Well, thank you so much for um, being here. I think what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing. I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And my final question is just if you could leave, if there's a parent listening right now who is having their own struggles with their son or daughter who's in active addiction, what would you want to tell them? Is there something that you wish you would have known or somebody would have told you? What would you want to leave them with? I would say never give up, which as a parent, that's probably a given. Um, Sometimes you have to take a step back, even though you still love them and haven't given up on them. Um, It gets gets to be sometimes a little bit um, too hard on you. And so you can step back a little bit from the situation and still be loving and um and it doesn't uh, mean you love them any less right right mm-hmm. so I would say that and you know knowing what I know now I would say reach out and try and find other people who are um, in the same situation you are who you can talk to and who can support you through this because there's that stigma and the shame and you don't typically want to share it with people um or sometimes you do share it and then people's reaction you know, you're like, well, I wish I hadn't shared that. So when Lizzie was in active addiction, I didn't really know that. And I wish that I had. Mm-hmm. Well, we definitely need more people like you guys um, out there debunking the stigma and all of that amazing things that y'all are doing. So everybody, thank you so much for listening today. Again, if you have loved what you heard, if you feel inspired by this, if you think it will help somebody, please Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us on Spotify, share with a friend, upload to your Instagram stories. Again, all of these things actually make a difference in getting this word out. So I also joke, I say your review can save a life. So um, anyways, thank you everyone so much for tuning in and I will catch you all on the next episode. Bye. podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenehouse.org. Thank you.